0: and welcome to Ground Control Parenting, a blog and now a podcast created for parents raising black and brown children. I'm the creator and your host, Carol Sutton-Lewis. In this podcast, I talk with some really interesting people about the job and the joy of parenting. Happy New Year, everyone. And aren't we all so glad to see 2020 in the rearview mirror? 2021 couldn't come soon enough, and we are all hopeful that this will be a healthier, happier, and more peaceful new year. Today, I am so happy to have David Coleman, CEO of the College Board, join us here at Ground Control Parenting to talk about the world of standardized testing and college admissions. The College Board is a not-for-profit organization focused on connecting students to college success. It does this through an assortment of programs, the most familiar ones being its testing services, including the PSAT, SAT, and AP tests. So if you're the parent of a high schooler, you already know or will soon know about the College Board. And as the year begins, legions of high school students are beginning to focus on their college plans. And doing this during a pandemic has proven to be a bit more complicated and stressful. We are so fortunate to have David here today to help us understand what's going on and how to best navigate through these more challenging times and beyond. Welcome to Ground Control Parenting, David. Thank you so much, Carol. (laughs) It's so nice to have you here. And uh I we have so much to talk about. And though the first thing I want to do, for the benefit of the parents who aren't quite as familiar with the College Board and standardized testing as, as some of us are, if you could just start for me with a few of the testing basics. Like, I, I know the SAT was started in the 20s to give colleges and universities a, a standardized means of testing skills for success in college. But, but can you tell us a little bit about what they're assessing and what information they provide?
1: Absolutely. And Carol, I I just couldn't let this morning begin without thanking you for your service. Um, And creating this podcast, this circle for parents of black and brown children, um, adolescents really or young people by the time they're getting close to college. And Mm. um, given the events of yesterday in our country, we speak today, we record today, soon after the events in the Capitol. Mm. The pressures on those families are greater than ever. It doesn't take a genius to realize that scene at the Capitol would have looked different had those protesters been people of color. Um, and I won't say more. I know this is not a politics discussion, but I just wanted to say that at this time in our country, when so much has been broken by COVID and by frankly, our human viciousness towards one another, your podcast and creating a circle of trust where parents, particularly parents of often underrepresented kids in our, in our colleges can hear the truth uh, uh, speak clearly. Get the best information. Information that has sometimes too often been reserved for some and not for all is 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 a profundity to me, and it's it's a blessing to me to talk to you today, given given recent events, to try to to work with you in your um, daily crusade to inform those who might otherwise not be informed. And I'm I'm really grateful for that.
0: Wow. Well, David, I, I thank you so much. I share your concern. Have, having awoken today. Still in disbelief with respect to the, the course of our nation yesterday. But I, as I hope you also awake hopeful because we have a transition. We will have a new day. It's a new year. And so, um, I, while well, I appreciate everything you said, I'm, I'm grateful in turn that, that you're here. We can have this conversation and the information we impart today will help parents see a way clearer.
1: So, that, that is my thanks. profound hope. And and the College Board is a nonprofit organization, as you mentioned. We're composed of the nation's colleges and the nation's high schools. Virtually all of them are members of the College Board. So any decisions we make are always informed by these broad conversations. And I'll mm-hmm. only say that one decision we make, and I'll, uh, it's the last thing I'll say about current events, but I think it may be important. Is, as you Mm -hmm. may know, about, uh, the New York City partnership called together leading businesses around the country and 200 business leaders addressed the Congress yesterday, uh, that Mm -hmm. they should endorse the results election. We were, we were the nonprofit that was added to that list and, and we spoke to the press yesterday to demand that. So I just want to say that the College Board, while it's known for AP and SAT, considers itself to have a broader role uh, mm-hmm. To clear a path for students to own their future, and so I want to answer every detailed question bluntly and clearly, as you know me to do, about mm-hmm. what these exams do and don't do, their strengths and limits, really how best to advance your children. I, I want you to win. I want to be very blunt with you about the best steps I think parents can take to help their students mm-hmm. succeed. And mm-hmm. uh, but 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 we see our role is a little broader, and that will emerge over the course of the conversation because I think understanding our role better may take may help parents and students take far better advantage of our of, of the work we do. So let's start with the SAT. Um, I don't want to do too much history because it's checkered and complicated, but I want to tell you a recent Absolutely. part of its history. No, because honestly, mm-hmm. it's a very long discussion and not that helpful just yet. What, mm-hmm. What's most important for parents to understand about the SAT, though, is that it's changed immensely since they took it. Uh, and so most of us are harboring our own childhood experiences of an exam that had much too much of a feel, Carol, of an old-fashioned intelligence test, disorienting analogies with words we had never seen before, a lot of math that was not familiar to us. It was a test that was full of disorientation and surprise. It was like we went to high school every day, and then there was this other thing called the SAT. When I was made president of the college board eight years ago, I said that that was a catastrophe, that, that the idea that you should ever do anything just for the SAT was a bad idea. In other words, the SAT should be the natural outgrowth of your high school work. All it is, let me please pull away all the mystery in one sentence. The mm-hmm. SAT is a core set of reading, math, and writing skills that you most often use in the first year of college. Mm. So. That's all that's allowed to be on the test. In other words, if you want to know what math is on the SAT, it's the math most commonly used in first-year courses, not just in math, but throughout the disciplines. So mm-hmm. you're ready to do a wide range of things, like let's say you want to take a nursing course or a chemistry course or anything you want to do that involves some math, economics, anything, what math is most often foundational to those? So it's the opposite of tricky and unusual math. 80% of the math the SAT is in the three areas of math most often used. We got rid of, and I apologize to those of you who love obscure words, we got rid of SAT words. That was a terrible (laughs) idea. What is the definition of an SAT word but a word you will likely never see before the SAT or after it? (laughs) Right? Which is not essential for readiness. So the words the SAT tests now are the words you use most often, not least often. What do I mean by that? It's like, imagine a word like synthetic, which which can mean artificial, but a synthesis can also mean putting two things together and making something new. Or analyze can be to understand something, but also to break something apart. Those are mm. common words, but understanding them deeply really advances mm. you. Those are mm. real tools of thought. Of work, Those are the kind of language now, really understanding fewer words that really matter is at the heart of the new exam, which makes it much more available to the English language learner, et cetera. But I want to also be clear, Carol, I'm not here if you don't mind, to defend this instrument. It is a very partial account of student strength. What do I mean by that? It does not measure students' intelligence. It does not measure their potential. It does not. It simply asks a basic question. Do they have a certain level of command of some core reading and writing and math skills that will make it more likely that they'll more immediately be able to handle the demands of their college courses? That's it. That's all there is. There are tons of other forms of intelligence and gifts. We believe that a low score on the SAT should never be a, a veto on a student's future. We mm-hmm. believe that we always fight for holistic admissions and looking at lots of other things. And when we get into it more, I can give you, frankly, my best blueprint for what I think is a um, an honest, productive, and serious way to prepare for such an exam that's also worth doing. We've Mm -hmm. taken out virtually all the test prep stuff, all the tricks, because the test is much less unexpected now, have much power. So you could waste a lot of money learning some tricks and giving it to a lot of coaches when I'll tell you if you want to know the real problem that the SAT poses to some students is they've forgotten or never really mastered early math. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the really hard part of the SAT for most kids is they're uncomfortable with math and they, they face, you know, unlike a math class in school where you just have to study the math that you just studied. In other words, like teacher taught you this this week and then you test it. When they face mm-hmm. an SAT, it's really looking across math that you've studied over the past few years and picking parts of it that are the most important, including like percentages. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about fancy math. I'm just talking about mm-hmm. rates and proportions. You use that all the time, data analysis. But students can be rusty at that stuff. And it can cause great anxiety, like adulthood. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. honestly, the best way to handle the SAT is to ensure your your child has the chance. We give this for free with Khan Academy, a personalized service that you can see where your early weaknesses might be, and you gain more confidence by practicing them. So mm-hmm. the real best single phrase of advice, I know I've spoken perhaps a bit too long on this subject, to face the great dreaded SAT, is to go on Khan Academy. Do a free practice, see where your weaknesses are, or if you've done the PSAT, you don't even you can just share your information if you choose to. And gradually and deliberately practice until you're more comfortable and fluent in the early math. We can talk about reading and writing too, but for most students, the real anxiety comes from the math section.
0: Mm-hmm. I, David, you have touched on so many things that I really want to dive into, and I appreciate it. This is great. I want to ask you one question before I dive into these, though, and it's yep. just another kind of level-setting basic question. So this year, 2020, has been um, ridiculously difficult for so many different businesses, and the test-delivering business has been yep. one of them. All all standardized test offerers have had a lot of trouble offering the test. I mean, yep. with covid yep. Putting aside how tough it's been in 2020, uh, have you learned anything, or is there anything that gives you confidence that 2021 it will be easier for students to actually take the test?
1: Yeah, um, let's 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 just both say to one another because we must that the difficulties facing the College Board are trivial compared to the difficulties and inequalities of COVID and loss of life. And there's oh, a absolutely. lot of things more important than tests. So I'll answer your question, <laughs> but I just need the parents assembled here to know. That it's our conviction at the College Board that the mental health and well-being and thriving of young people is much more important than any single test. And we actually advised colleges last year, for the first time in our history, we, we said colleges need to be flexible in looking at scores to be ready for students who would not have them. To be to be to understand that some students only got to take once, maybe rather than twice, as they would show their best effort. We insisted that every score be looked at in context. I just mean to say, Carol, if you don't mind, that, that I feel my first obligation in this crisis is to lower the temperature. We made sure that subject tests were required for nobody because some kids had trouble. Like, so in other words, I hope that makes sense. The first thing you must do is you must reduce the temperature. Absolutely. So, um, And we've also been very stern about not increasing the number of examinees at any potential threat to public health. At a time Mm -hmm. that states and cities were very different in their policies, as you may know, due to political Mm -hmm. discord in this country, the College Mm -hmm. Board insisted on masks and distancing everywhere, regardless of local conditions. So we've played a pretty strict role. With that said, a million kids have examined this fall more than you might think, uh, it's a more diverse set of students that have tested because the breakthrough at the college board has been moving the exam from Saturday where parents and kids choose to take it to during the school day where a much broader set of kids take it as a matter of course. As we look towards the spring and fall of this year, which was your question just to answer quickly, but I, mm-hmm. I, I really need parents to know admissions officers everywhere with the full support of the college board No that your child may not be able to do their best work on an instrument like the SAT this year. And I hope that charity that calm pervades through the spring, because it's very hard to predict Carol, what openness will look like. The college board will be ready and add administrations this spring and fall, and will be able to absorb as many students if, and when schools are open safely, what we can't do is open them for this sake. We will not take that risk. And so, however, That said, I'm fairly confident that it will widen. The area that I'm most confident about, or know the most about, is advanced placement, where Mm -hmm. we did something relatively daring, which was in a 90-day period following the COVID's fall in March. Many testing organizations simply, like IB and others, simply canceled their exams. But but you see, we had 3 million students in AP who had worked all year to get college credit, to earn that credit. They overwhelmingly, and, and really very movingly, Carol, overwhelmingly low-income and students of color, because we checked very carefully, and Mm -hmm. they, to an even greater degree, insisted on their obligation to test. What I mean by that is, it may be fascinating, but some advocates thought we should call off the test to protect the disadvantaged in our society. But Mm -hmm. we were in touch with those families at a very large scale, and they insisted that we give them their shot. And that led us to provide the AP exams at home. And Mm -hmm. we are ready to do that again this spring. We had great participation in AP About 93% of a normal year, which is pretty shocking, given a pandemic and schools being closed. Mm -hmm. So, we'll be ready this spring. Whatever's happening in schools, we will offer it in school or at home, and it'll be entirely flexible. We don't have quite that same flexibility with SAT. So, as soon as schools open fully, we'll make Mm -hmm. it widely available.
0: Great. Now that you've mentioned AP, David, I did want to talk with you about something you and I have talked about before, but some really fascinating research with respect to kids of color, students of color, black and brown kids. And AP uh, computer science courses and math courses. Can you talk a little bit about what your research has shown?
1: Yeah, I, I I would love to because I think as as we here address the parents you've assembled, my biggest piece of advice for them is to realize how often young people, and particularly young people of color, count themselves out or are discouraged by opportunities, whether it is their own motivation or it is the structures around them in a school. What I see systematically is students of color being left out of profound opportunities. And I'm just going to give you the example of computer science in detail because it's fascinating. For a Mm -hmm. 20-year period from 1994 to 2014 in this country, the College Board gave a course called APCS, an advanced Java course, advanced computer science. And Mm -hmm. in that course, over that 20-year period, I just want to remember how recent that is, where there are massive investments in more women in computer science, more minorities in computer science. It wasn't like everyone was asleep to the power of coding during that period. Mm -hmm. Our enrollments remained unchanged, 80% young men to 20% young women, and overwhelmingly white and Asian young men. So much so that in 2014, in 14 states, not a single African-American or Latino student took the exam a level Hmm. of inequality that stuns the mind truly. And, and I think that what we get wrong as a society is we think that if we just shake our finger at young people, particularly minorities and young women and say, you're going to be rich. If you become a coder, you should do computer science or, you know, all this encouragement, it just didn't work. I mean, we just saw it. Our numbers didn't change. What we instead Hmm. did is we invented a new course and with it, with the help of the national science foundation called computer science principles. This course did not say to adolescents, to young people in high school. It didn't say, do you want to learn the advanced grammar of a language you're not that interested in, which is how they saw (laughs) Java. It instead said, do you want to solve a problem? Computer science principles allow students to use data and computer science techniques to solve any problem they're interested in, whether it's in science or sports or the arts express themselves and what they're interested in or solve a problem in their community. And it's more project-based. It's less about a one-time assessment than making an app or doing a project.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Years later, we started in 2016. The break between young women and young men is now at 6535 after a, wow. a period of no change. Thousands upon thousands more black and Latino students are doing it. Uh, so much so that we've gone from 3% black Americans in the course, which is mm-hmm. shockingly low to 7% mm-hmm. in just from 2016. And I will mm-hmm. tell you, our ambition is to is to keep going. And And what I'm trying to say to parents, though, is that is that we then wondered, you know, and and some others might wonder, well, maybe their kids just not cut out for computer science. That's why they didn't do this. So we Mm -hmm. actually did research to see, did the students who then decided to take CSP, because it was much more set of unusual suspects, did they go on in computer science? So let Mm -hmm. me tell you the data. And I, I promise you, I never see data like this. Our research team was so surprised that they rechecked the numbers because social change happens very slowly, sadly. If you took AP computer science principles, you were two times more likely to go on to the advanced CS course that I told you about, except mm. if you're black, where you are three times more likely. Wow. If you take wow. this AP computer science principles course, you are 300% more likely to major in computer science. Black Americans of every group we studied in this study had the highest conversion rate. Wow. Wow. The consequences, Carol, are startling. That means for all these years, there were all these black young people and Latino young people who could have darn well been computer scientists. But we didn't have the right invitation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what I'm hoping is a new relationship between the College Board and communities of color. I'm really calling on parents everywhere. Please, whether your student, whether your child loves the arts or science or anything, get them in a computer science principles course, open that whole world of power to them, whether or not you work in the computer science industry or code directly, having technical chops, as you know, Carol advances you now in every career. It makes you more valuable and powerful and 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 these classes now look more like your 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 children will feel more comfortable. There'll be more students like them in these classes, and um, maybe at some point in the future, Carol, I'll tell you what we're going to do next because this has blown our heads off in terms of designing new courses that will appeal to a broader range of students. In this way, it's a course a source of great excitement for us.
0: Wow, this is revolutionary on several fronts, and the last thing you just said, the concept of Figuring out how to give more students, and particularly students of color, access to entryways into access to information and access to coursework that they may have shied away from for a myriad of different reasons—that exactly. is—that is amazing, and that's that's very very important. Um, let me just ask a really basic simple question about the access to these, um, AP courses. Are these, does your school have to offer them or are they available online?
1: Your school has to offer them largely. There are increasing digital players, um, that provide online AP courses, but there must be an associated teacher at the school because the problem with a purely digital course without a caring adult is almost no students complete them. But I'll tell you something that may be a surprise. AP has changed a lot, just like the SAT over the years. And now Mm -hmm. do you know what, um, Social group, If I, I mean, it's an obvious setup in a way. If I were to ask you if you're black or if you're white, do you have more likelihood of going to a school with an AP course? Can you believe that it's more likely if you're black that 90% of black students go to schools with their AP courses now? Our hardest problem in terms of, of ac- access to AP is actually in rural America, which – which hurts, as you know, some Black Americans there and also white Americans who are there. But for Latinos and African Americans and many of the parents here, there's almost certainly AP. I want to also say I think IB is wonderful, International Baccalaureate, and it's a terrific Mm -hmm. alternative and a great thing to get your students involved in. And at some point we'll talk about um maybe access to math, which is another vexing issue, but I'll put that to the side because yes. you know I'm worried about that. But um, but, mm-hmm. but but yes, you are correct that it is a matter of parent advocacy to ask their schools, to ask their districts, hey, I've now seen this computer science principles course. I just want to be kind of clear. This is our fastest growing course in our history. I'm not worried. I don't need an army out there to promote the course. It's doing just fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. But But I do think it's highly legitimate for parents to ask, do we have a great first course in computer science for all students? Do we have a great first course in it? It's, these are important things to make sure it's available for your children.
0: Absolutely. And that, that's why I asked, because I do want parents listening to know that if there's two students school doesn't have it, there's a role for them to go to exactly. find out how their school can have access to this test. So, so much great information here, David, I want to um, back up to what you were talking about earlier, just to, Circle back to the SAT for just a minute. You mentioned that you had a kind of a blueprint for parents to um, help ha- help understand how they should encourage their child to study. Um, and and I, you mentioned you started talking about this, and and I really want us to get into this this concept of finding your weaknesses and practicing a lot. Um, you mentioned your collaboration with Khan Academy, and, and hopefully our listeners know we spoke with Sal Khan early in the season. And that concept of mastery is is mind-blowing. I mean, yeah. it really has shifted me personally to sort of regard sort of what parents can do at an early age from t- such a different perspective. Can you tell me a little bit about um, your thoughts on on the importance of practice, and and again, this blueprint that parents might be able to follow to help their kids.
1: And Carol, I hope it's appropriate if I can be what might seem again slightly political for a moment, but I must say it: kids of perfect. color, and particularly young women of color, particularly girls, are told a terrible lie as they grow up, which is maybe you don't like math. Mm-hmm. Maybe math is not for you. This is said to young women. And, and by the way, it can often be quite uh, dangerous in the following sense. Often it's my daughter loves to read, but, but, mm-hmm. but that actually means she doesn't like numbers and that that's okay. Forget all that you've inherited that some people are numbers people and other people are not. That's true maybe at the greatest extremes. But the core math at at the level of an SAT exam beneath calculus is available to virtually every human mind, but for profound disability. All kids can really do this. But Mm -hmm. many are discouraged from the youngest ages, sometimes because they're overly encouraged to just follow the the words path.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Because what
1: mm -hmm. they immediately like, people confuse what you immediately like with what you might one day love. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, In other words, mm -hmm. difficulty can be just a sign of going for it again. So if you don't mind, my biggest advice to parents is that there are a lot of explicit and implicit forces that discourage young children of color for feeling that numbers are their friends or that they're going to be able at them. And many teachers and schools will be quite happy with them partially engaging or going on to other things and not you must not allow that as parents. Uh, you must mm-hmm. insist rightly that numbers are your natural, are, are, is a right and power your kids must own. And so from the earliest moments, what happens to Black families in this country is that their kids don't get into, even in kindergarten, they don't get into honors, whatever, gifted programs, whatever they're mm-hmm. called. And it's absurd um, that, mm-hmm. that, that their kids are not being uh, asserted to be Just in as demanding. And I know I'm going very early here, but if you think I'm not held up at night by the racial inequalities I see in SAT scores, you are wrong. I know it's been feared this test is a racist test. Uh, that, that, and, and I think there are hard questions to ask about its proper role in admissions. And we reflect on that all the time. Mm -hmm. But, but just because we're talking frankly with people, if the SAT shows inequality, please know it's about inequalities been fostered for many, many years that are really unforgivable. And, and protest against the test as much as you want, but I beg you to get your kids re-engaged in mathematics. And now mm-hmm. to get quite precise to you, what does that mean? That sounds heavy. The fact is anyone who's struggling in math often always miss something humble and early. The biggest mm-hmm. reason people can't do algebra is fractions. Fractions are early but hard. They sound simple, but they're not. Like if I were to ask you to divide two fractions right now, it's stressful. You know what I mean? It just is. We, none of us remember that stuff, but it's really powerful. If you get really good at it and you go back to those basics, they help you everywhere. So what Khan Academy does is you take an exam like the PSAT and then for free, it's entirely for free. It it adapts to your level and says, Hey, you might begin here and work on some of that earlier stuff. You have to get rid of the shame that maybe you missed something and, mm-hmm. and maybe you're uncomfortable with something that looks like something you didn't get in fifth grade or seventh grade. And that's true of all of us. So get over the shame. And then, what you said so beautifully forget time and go for mastery. Allow yourself a lot of time at the beginning to practice, to practice until you feel awesome about it, until you feel a level of fluency and comfort. And even if your kids in the humanities, that power in math. I just want to be blunt with you. We'll get them a much higher salary. If you're a journalist that can also do data analysis, you're more highly paid. If you are doing anything where you have that command, it will get, it's worth it. So I guess what I'm saying is use the excuse of the SAT to return to math with your son or daughter and say, I know you may not love this, but you could love this. We're just going to practice through it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, so much of what you said, I, I just want to uh, focus on because it's really so important. Just the last thing you said about sort of how important it is to be fluent in math as an adult, for forget your job, for your own ability to man- manage your own life, your finances, Your, I mean, math is important. One of the things that occurred to me early on is, as we were talking is that a lot of parents approach this um, with potentially their own math phobia or their own history of not liking math or not doing well in math, to think that math proficiency might be inherited, math deficiency might be inherited as well. And I'm, I I agree, we should be clear that's not the case. Math can be scary. It's easy to have a math phobia. But even if you have one, don't put that onto your child, because it's it's really important, just as to your point earlier, David, about people being so proud their children read so well. I mean, and, that, and literacy is key. I'm not taking anything away from the importance of reading. We don't have that same conversation about how well they do their math work. And, and we should. I mean, we, we encourage our children to practice reading, to read a lot. Reading is fundamental is what we have said. And, and that we, we, we agree with that. But math is also fundamental. And math for some is harder than reading. And so the, the, I think what's really important for parents to think about is, um, the early days of even if you're not that comfortable with the subject, um, Encouraging your child to push through the hard parts. And, and that comes through mastery to your point. If you keep, you know, memorizing your times tables just seems like a lot of time for a not particularly productive, <laughs> but, but it is actually very productive. Um, and, and one of the things about this pandemic, the upside of having so much time, your child having so much time at home is that say they're a 12 year old and we, you discover by virtue of these various assessments that their math is weak and they actually need to go back to earlier years of math. Now, when they're not in the classroom potentially, or when they have a lot of time outside of the classroom is the time for you guys to sit down with Khan Academy or any kind of online learning. And, and in the privacy of their own home, your child can just get better. They can get better. And, and, one of the things that we haven't touched on yet is the confidence, the, the confidence that gets sapped when you are told by virtue of a test when you're young. I mean, even all the way up to the ACT, like your score is you. I mean, that that's a terrible thing to do to a mm-hmm. child. And, but, but conversely, The confidence you give a child, just like an early reader, gets a lot of confidence. As one who learned to read when I was three or four, I know from an early age, if that was my thing, I could read early, it stays with you and it imbues confidence in other things. If you can master math early, that confidence, I mean, I see it in people I know who who are good in math. If you're good in math early... That confidence can help you become good in other things.
1: You know, it's interesting. I think sometimes we take intellectual things like learning math or learning to read, and we dress them up much too much. So I'd like to get real simple minded about it. Do you roughly believe about every black and brown young person that if they lifted weights every day, if they wanted a bigger bicep and they practiced, they would be able to whatever their starting point or some people just built that their biceps can't grow? (laughs) <laughs> Very rare, right? If you do the time, if you do it and gradually do it, you at first might fumble, you at first might struggle, you at first might be ashamed <laughs> to even be in that gym. But if you keep doing it, we have enormous faith that through... So, so let me just ask you a question, Carol. How often have you heard the question, I'm not a reading person? Mm. Mm-hmm. Pretty rarely, right? I just, I'm not a reading person. <laughs> I just, I'm not that kind of... How often have yeah. you heard people say, I'm not a math person? And I just want to say something about that. I think, forgive me, that is a racist notion and an intentionally racist notion. So I'm trying hmm. to raise the stakes here. Okay. One way to discourage a group of people from gaining their power is to say, you're just not that sort of person. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm just trying to say that, that it is a form of resistance, as the great Robert Moses, who founded the Algebra Project, did it for that reason. He's very active in the civil rights movement, who said, our kids are being discouraged in quiet and implicit ways. And so if you don't mind me saying so, what you describe as math phobia among parents, particularly parents of students of color, is also a cruelty inflicted upon them quite systematically by our society, which was discouraging in all sorts of ways of black people mm-hmm. and brown people asserting themselves. And so I, I just must say it out loud. And mm-hmm. and so, so, but it has no basis in fact. It's a total lie. If you're not good at math and you have a kid it's, it's not like your brain was made. People literally think I don't have a math brain. So my kid doesn't and forgive me. I don't want to insult you, but you didn't practice math hard enough. You, your brain could have done it. I apologize. You were not built wrong. You just <laughs> didn't do it. Like it's like you didn't go to the gym as often. Mm -hmm, There's no mm -hmm. one who's practiced intensively at math and can't do those basic operations. Everyone roughly again, within the range of, you know, not a terrifying disability. So parents actually Mm -hmm. believe though, that if they don't have a math mind, maybe their kid just wasn't given one. Like it's a gift. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and so what this is all about, as you know, is about a growth mindset is it's not what I'm given, but it's what I do in practice. And we actually, Carol, you may know, worked with the leading behavioral scientists like Angela Duckworth and others to present SAT scores differently so they don't say you are your score anymore. We're very Mm -hmm. careful when you present scores to students to say, here's what you scored today, and it it, that's its title, and then it says, here's what you could do. Because you're right. It's the worst part of testing is telling someone who they are rather than a, a provocation to who they might be. The SAT or PSAT tells you nothing about who you will be But if you pay attention, it could change who you'll become.
0: For parents listening who may recognize themselves as people who haven't been as encouraging for their children to learn math because of their own concerns about their ability, one thing they could do, particularly during this pandemic, when you have a lot of time at home with your children, is do a class together. Find out where your child's weaknesses are in math class. and. Do a course, a Khan Academy course or some other online math course together, and your child will be absolutely delighted when you can't answer 100%. <laughs> I mean, there's, and, and trust me, you won't be able to. There, there's a, um, a wonderful organization called Learning Heroes, and they have a readiness check online, which enables parents to give their children little quizzes in various grades just to see if their children are ready for the year. And I have done the eighth grade math test just to see what it's like. And it's daunting. <laughs> and so I say to parents, this is a great time to explore, explore and and help your child, encourage your child by doing it with them.
1: And, and let's talk for one minute, Carol, because that's part of the point of your contest about power getting into college. Like let's be blunt with one another for a reason. One piece of good news for black and brown families is they consider your, your challenge to re- to use this pandemic to re-immerse themselves in math. A, it will help on the SAT. It'll help with a lot of other things too. So it's it's worth the time. But spending a lot of time doing it is, I will tell you, colleges are looking hard for black and brown students who do well on math. And Mm -hmm. so your child is going to Be rewarded. It will only show up on the SAT. It'll show up in their coursework. It'll show up in their math grades. So Mm -hmm. please don't. This is really worth it for lots of reasons, what Carol's Mm -hmm. talking about, which is taking the time to immerse yourselves in math. And I'm glad that's like kind of a bottom line for today. It's not the only thing. I'll say one more thing that I think is a great source of power in this, which is seeking out a gifted teacher. Mm -hmm. The most powerful force in education by far are great teachers. And as you think about your child getting ready for college, what I often ask young people when they talk about college readiness or their choice of colleges, I ask them first, who's their favorite teacher? And I ask them uh, whether they've, if they've had a great teacher yet in high school, who's really affected them, why don't they study with that person again? You know, like, let's say they had a great teacher. Maybe they could take an AP course from that teacher or another class that teacher teaches. The best thing you can do to turn on your child to learning and math or any other area mm-hmm. is to help them find a great teacher, if that's okay. Absolutely. Um, and, and finding great teachers and students learning that it's within their power to choose their teachers, not just to take what they're given, is the greatest source of success in college, by the way, not just high school. <laughs> seeking out mentors and teachers. So that's my strongest single piece of advice is Carol is, is people are going to move off the online and that families should have a teacher strategy. What teachers turn my kids on? Is there one in math? Is there one in the sciences? Can I reconnect with that person? And can that person help me? My-
0: Absolutely. And, and speaking personally, that is something that I did throughout all of my children's education. And I highly, highly recommend getting to know the teachers, finding out who the great teachers are, finding out from those teachers who who they would recommend for your child once the teacher knows how your child learns it it is it is key and also key to your point david having a good math teacher somebody who takes the the scare out of it the 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 who who helps you understand the the interesting problems that you're learning to solve with these numbers versus the scariness of having to achieve one right answer and i mean there are teachers that can turn the 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 study of math from some something that is scary to something that is wonderful. And if you can find them, <laughs> then definitely hold on to them. Hold on to them. And I'll say one thing about
1: tutoring. You know, I think test prep tutoring uh, about tricks mm-hmm. on the test is largely a waste of money for which families are gouged. And again, parents of color often to, to a greater extent. But if you find a gifted math tutor, whether it's in the guise of test prep or anything else, mm-hmm. someone who helps your child go early, it's worth it. It's a great investment. You know, there's a lot of college coaching snake oil, and I'd rather save you a lot of time. But someone who's gifted working with your son or daughter at math is worth <laughs> it, and and even if that's a tutor, it's a good choice.
0: Absolutely, and just to, to dovetail on that, um, the concept of practice. Practice as a, as, a, as a discipline for all these tests is really important. I mean, putting in the time to practice, and that is that's definitely the Khan Academy strategy, but that's okay. a fundamental part of test prep, which is important, whether you pay for it or not, is that you practice.
1: Of the things on Khan Academy, one of the most productive, this might surprise you, is simply taking the practice test absolutely practicing the thing you're doing helps you do it a lot better
0: it does it does it takes you know you you talked earlier about sort of um lowering the temperature and trying to reduce undue anxiety when you take a test a lot before you take it you are much calmer about the process the sitting in the room the looking at the time there's so much beyond knowing the information that goes into test taking
1: i think the worst sin of testing has been to confuse quick and smart So we've given much more time per question on the new SAT. I think exams that over privilege being too fast are silly. And we've done it in AP and everywhere else, given students more time. But I need to be frank, even if it gets me criticized. When parents are told your kid's not good at tests, I really do feel it's another way of avoiding what the real source of anxiety is, which is the math. If you're comfortable with math, really comfortable, just as if you're really comfortable playing soccer, you might first, when you walk out onto that stadium floor or onto that game, be anxious, but you gradually overcome it because you're familiar with it. You practice through it. We we don't say of sports that you're really good at basketball but can't play in the game. We don't allow that. We, we ask you, we, we admit there can be jitters in game day and we help students work through those through mastering. They're getting more fluent at dribbling and taking the shot and, you know, so they can begin to forget themselves. Please don't, please don't accept that soft bigotry that your child somehow is unable. I just want to tell you something Frank about our research. We have taken kids who have scored lower on the math SAT and given them very different mathematical tests, much more open ended, much more wide ranging. Does that make sense? And unfortunately, Carol, their scores are roughly similar. Mm. So the idea that just because it's a time test, just it's in this format, my, my child is otherwise really good at math. And I just need to caution while an SAT should not be overestimated, please don't allow that, that, that story to be told in a way that's really a way of saying to your child, no matter what you do or practice, you just are not good at this. You can't be good at this.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And I think this this also goes to what we've talked about before, parents needing to do a bit of an honest assessment of their own perspective on these things and be able to seg- separate that from what they tell their children. I mean, we have to just leave all of our our historical knowledge, our, our emotional sense of our performance in school or on tests or whatever, and, and not accept that, it's hereditary or it's in the air or that, that our children can't do it differently. I mean, I have three children who are all different learners and each of them has been able to succeed um, in part because we have always encouraged them to not think of themselves as someone that is not um, good at something. And, and I, I'm here to tell you that, that one of my children who on, on, in, 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 by letter grade was not the best in math of the three of them is doing the most complicated mathematical um, mm. work and is really enjoying it. And the way that he got there was to immerse himself in it, do it until he could do it well. And the confidence that I have seen, I mean, it, it, it it's really a wonderful thing. So this is also to say, parents, do not, um, if you have a high school junior or senior and, and, you're hearing this thinking, oh my gosh, I can't go back in time. Don't don't worry. It's never too late. It's never too late. Oh, and and you can't go back in
1: time, but you can go back in math. <laughs> <What> a, <laughs> you, you know, and, and I, we've talked a lot about math today, but I hope what you just said was so beautiful. Immerse yourself until you're excellent because yeah. excellence is the product of immersion. The data is overwhelming by the way, that more than nature, dedicated practice is what creates world-class performance. Just, just, it's just the truth. And we've been confused about that sometimes, but it is the truth. And, But I'll also say another thing. There are lots of ways to win in this world. I focused on math today, but your kid can be great by taking, for example, an AP course in other disciplines, in environmental science, and the arts. We at the College Board are trying to create lots of ways to win. I don't want any sense of constriction. There can be superb computer scientists who don't love math and who do other things there. I'm trying to encourage you around math because I think it's so widely powerful and to remind everyone they can do it. But also know there are so many ways to show your strength in college admissions. Anything that your child is really devoted to and pursues over a sustained period is a chance to distinguish themselves. And my greatest advice is let that be very few things. Because what Carol said, which is immerse yourself is a phrase that must be used very sparingly. Too much immersion is just a busy, thankless adolescence. The the fact that there are 10 spaces on a college application for extracurriculars is stupid. The (laughs) only thing they're going to look at is two or three. I talk to all the admissions officers. Forgive me, they do not lovingly look at your child's entire record. (laughs) They look at one to two things they do that they're devoted to. Mm-hmm. MIT has gone so far as only allowing three to four spaces. And we're encouraging colleges to follow suit because kids think that there are 10 spaces, they should fill them in. Absolutely. So part of what I'm trying to say, it's okay to breathe. It's okay to let your son or daughter focus and do a few things. Well, they can't immerse themselves in it; it's too much pressure. So, so part of what this is all about is actually calming down and saying, let's deliberately do a couple of things. Well, let's, let's get this math down. Let's Let's do a couple of things you'd love to do outside of class, just one or two, and then have fun. There's time for leisure and, and, mm-hmm. and life and friendship and playing around and, and, and thinking uh, about things and feeling. And, you got it. and, and I, I, I wrote an essay about this and I, you know, I wrote an essay called stop the madness on college admissions, where I tried to offer in the Atlantic, a frank view of what really gets kids in college. I'm not telling you not to care because I don't think that's right to say, particularly to black and brown families, where having a strong degree does advance you, if I if I may be so blunt. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to kid with you that it doesn't matter. It's not wrong of you to want your child to do well and to help them. But what has become very poorly confused is busyness with excellence. A busy child is the opposite of an excellent child. And And I say that because what Carol said so interestingly is that now there's a pandemic, maybe they actually have time for math. It's almost funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But but why is that? Because we had to stop so much. Mm -hmm. So I think one way to look at the, I know it's a weird thing to say, and I know there's been a loss of life that's been disproportionate minority communities from this disease. So saying that there's a silver lining is not something I want to say, but, but, but there's been a pause in adolescence have slowed down. And I think that slowdown can now be used very smart. Who are your best teachers? Spend more time with them. Find one or two things you love and devote yourself to them and cut away the other stuff. And if math has been a bugbear, let's handle it. Let's stop avoiding it and deal with it with mm-hmm. a kind of immersion. And I think if immersion is selective and focused, it can be very soulful. But if it's with everything, it becomes harried and and, and it's, it makes you too anxious.
0: Yeah. David, I could talk to you forever about so many different things, but I'm going to wrap it up here. And thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. I'm sure that parents listening really, really appreciate all of your advice, all of your experiences. so so I'm actually going to try something here in this last few moments, something I'm going to spring on you, and I hope that you are game for it. It's called the GCP bonus round. I'd love to know your favorite poem.
1: That's such a wonderful question. I have a degree in English literature, so I love poetry <laughs> so very much. I'm going to choose a poem called Birches by Robert Frost, where he talks about being a little boy far from... town to play baseball. And he instead plays by swinging from birch trees. And he says at one moment that as he swings on the trees, that they take him toward heaven. Uh, But he says, but not so far that he leaves, he wants to come back down again to the ground. And he says, (laughs) may no fate willfully misunderstand what I ask and take me away not to return. He says, earth's the right place for love. I don't know where it's likely to go better.
0: Oh, oh, Wonderful. Wonderful. And finally, you have children. Tell me a couple of your favorite children's books.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. You know what wears well? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm -hmm. And um, he's really, he's really verbally very good uh, doll. But Mm -hmm. also he has a wonderfully sharp eye for poverty. And to help my my children look differently at their classmates in school and wonder what they had at home, remember of course Charlie has very little so he can barely scrounge together the money to buy the chocolate bar mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of that book is about and um and it it, it was very moving for me to see my students encounter that. I, I might see my children that.
0: <laughs> well, great thanks again david i'm I'm So thrilled you could be with us here today, and thank you so much for your great advice. Now, that was a really good conversation. David had some great advice for college-bound parents and good info for parents of younger children as well. If your children are focusing on college, I hope this conversation gave you some good tips to deal with the process. If you have younger children, perhaps David's advice about the importance of mastering the math basics resonates with you. If it does, take the time to explore how to bolster your child's math comfort level and maybe your own as well. Khan Academy's free math tutoring is a great place to begin. I hope everyone listening enjoyed this conversation and they'll come back for more. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review where you find your podcasts and tell your friends. In the meantime, please check out the Ground Control Parenting blog at www.groundcontrolparenting.com for tons of parenting info and advice. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Ground Control Parenting and on LinkedIn under Carol Sutton Lewis. Please send comments and questions on any of these platforms because we really want to hear from you. Until the next time, take care and thanks for listening.